All right, welcome back. Welcome to the Man Child Podcast. It's uh, it is an audio experience centered around the essential need to struggle. What would you do? Where would you go? Who would you go with if you were not afraid to struggle at it? I bet there's a lot more things you'd be doing if you were down to struggle. And that's what we do. We go find people and we talk to them about the, the lifestyles that they've built that's the envy of everybody. And they think, how could you do something like that? How did you do that? Why, why can't I live like that? Man, must be nice. Those types of things that we think when we see these people that are out there just pushing the envelope of the human experience. And you know what you find out? Mm, they're just like you and me. And it's tough. And it was hard to do. And uh, they hung in there. And now, and it, and it still is. It's not some arrival point where struggle, uh, they're now exempt from it. All right. I hope you had a great Halloween. And uh, it's November now. Holy cow. I hope you stole all of the Reese cups that you deserve it. All right. Your kid does not. So make sure that they understand that. And um, it's good Lord. We have to get through this election. It's almost over. We're almost through it. And can you can you just do this? All right. As a as someone that is is on the in the inside here, you're part of the man child movement. Okay. Exercise a little humanity with the people around you. All right? With the way you communicate, with the things that you discuss, all right? You screaming at them on Facebook or in the comments of Instagram is not going to change someone's life for the better or yours. All right, so let's just remember that. Okay? All right, let's get to today's guest. Danielle Pruitt. All right? She is she's pretty cool. Okay. She is the contributing editor to Wild Foods for the Meat Eater. Right? The mothership, basically. She is uh, she supplies a lot of recipes, a lot of dishes that she has gone out um, harvested that wild game and turned it into an unbelievable culinary experience. So we talk about um, we talk about real food. We talk about uh, the the experience of going and getting your own food and being a participant in the food chain and what that's done for her and her life. She was not always a hunter. And we talk about her story and how she got to doing what she's doing. Um, she's the founder of Wild and Whole. It's a blog that you can check out. It's got some absolutely beautiful uh, photography of some of the food that she cooks, of some of the experiences and places that she goes. You can check her out uh, on episode six of the season two of Das Boat, um, a show that Meat Eater has put out about... Um, it's a fishing show. They went out, they bought an old boat, and they rigged it up and took it all over the country. Season two happens to be uh, a lot of the Great Lakes area, uh, the upper Midwest. And uh, she, um, Danielle was in, in one of the episodes. Our buddy who has previously been on the show that was sort of the creator of that show, Miles Nolte, was on that. So a lot of cool, you know, it's just, it's, this has been a cool thing, man. Uh, the Man Child Podcast is we've been able to get in contact and communicate with some really cool, really genuine 
people. And uh, it's fun to discuss these things. It's fun to discuss, like, like there's so many things that we're on autopilot with, with the human experience, uh, food, water, shelter, that was not always just a given. And a lot of our time that we spend around bored or anxious or uh, contemplating our future in comparison to every single other Instagram post we see, we really could find our way out of that by just putting ourselves in the, in the living game, the surviving game, right? By maybe going out and uh, uh, hunting down or catching um, our dinner some, from time to time, all right? We're not saying grow a Grizzly Adams beard and, and make your own boots, Okay, there's there's there is a there is an area in between that you can live in civilization and maybe be a little bit more mindful of uh, your your life experience. And that's what we talk about here. We talk about how it's uh, it's greatly helped Danielle um, in her mental and physical life, her health and um it, she's just she's got a great story and she's living a great life uh, because she decided to, and I think that that is the takeaway. I hope that you bring away from this conversation. Without more delay, all right, let's get right into this episode of the Manchild Podcast with Danielle Pruitt. Let's go. What you know about me? Welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast. Uh, I've said it once. I'll say it again. I don't understand why we get the guests that we get or why they're so kind to be on this show because we're not big time. We're not anything special. We're just getting started. Uh, It's the show about struggling on purpose and putting ourselves in harm's way to experience life a little more fuller. And this is uh, no exception to this rule. Our guest, Danielle Pruitt, is a bad mamma jamma, and she is doing some really, really cool, cool stuff. And we're going to get, I'm really excited to talk to her right now. Danielle, thank you for being on the Man Child Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I think this is a really interesting concept for a podcast. Uh, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this sort of subject matter, so I think it's really cool to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's, I wish it wasn't uh, my life subject matter, but things just seem to just, I just make <laughs> things really difficult for myself and I figured, why not? Uh, make, <laughs> why not? Why not start a conversation about it? All right. So, a lot of people know who you are and what you're about, but if they don't, all right, in a in a in a synopsis of who you are and what you're all about, let the listener know what's going on here. Well, in a snapshot, I like to tell people, like at the airport or complete strangers, or like, what do you do for a living? Um, My favorite thing to say is I have the best job in the world. I get to travel around the country and hunt for my own food and teach other people how to cook it. Um, That's basically what I do. 
which doesn't even sound like a real job. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say both of those things. That is the best job in the world, and it doesn't sound like a real job. So how do you get that job? Um, It's been a very long journey that started very um, in a a completely different place. Um, You know, growing up, I didn't really – I didn't grow up in a house that, like – had a lot of cooking influence, you know, food was sort of one of those things that like you ate to fill your stomach. And like, that was kind of the way that I approached food. And it wasn't until later in life, um, when, when I met my husband, two things I realized, um, his, his family are huge cooks, very healthy cooks, whole food eating. And like, I was immediately embarrassed because I was, living off of fast food and pizza and I felt like garbage and then I I met my husband and his family and the food was just fresh and um you you could just see all the ingredients laid out on your plate was real food and I thought it was it was firstly delicious but beautiful and I loved the way it made me feel when I started eating real food And then the second thing that happened at that same time was that he was a hunter and I I didn't really grow up hunting. My dad was a hunter in South Dakota where he was raised on a farm and I think he attempted to take me out a couple times and I just was very uninterested in the whole concept. I didn't understand why anybody would want to hunt. Um, And so when I met my husband, he like, our first date, he actually took me to uh, the range to sight in his rifle. And then the next date, he um, cooked up a backstrap uh, steak for me from a deer he shot. So, um, and he, he, it was so special to him. And I, I just thought it was just really, really cool. And um, at that time, I was apparel design major. So I was going to school at Texas Tech get your guns up. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to school for apparel design and manufacturing. I absolutely loved fashion design and I loved the, I love the creative aspect, the idea that you can just sort of create something tangible and sort of see and feel your accomplishments is, is extremely satisfying for me. And that's really the world that I wanted to be in. Um, and then once I graduated and sort of got into that world, it, it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It felt very materialistic and self-absorbed. And it just, I felt like what I was putting out there in the world wasn't meaningful. And that really bothered me. And so I kind of sort of had this moment of, oh, my God, I spent all this time to get this degree and I don't want to do it. What do I do now? Um, And so my husband's like, why don't you just, you know, like I had started cooking a lot and I was having fun with that. He's like, why don't you just take a job, any job in cooking and just have fun with it? Like, just don't worry about like your career path at the moment. Just sort of think about having fun. And that's what I did. I started working in a cooking school or actually it wasn't really a cooking school. It was, um, I don't know if you've heard of Sir La Table. They have, it's like a retail store, but they have in Houston, they have one branch with this big cooking class in the back that fits like 20 people and it's all hands on. It's a huge kitchen. And 
various chefs would come in from all over Houston and do some cooking classes. And I really learned the foundation from hearing those chefs just sort of pound in that like foundational knowledge of how to cook and day in and day out, you know, all day long, um, really taught me how to cook. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And at the same time, Travis was still hunting and there was just something so, so fascinating to me about getting to cook with meat that you can't buy from a grocery store. It was sort of this exclusivity feeling like it's, it's, it's so weird because I, when I tell friends, like I'm eating deer, duck, their like immediate responses, like, ew, that's gross. It's like, there's something gross about wild animals. Like, but like, I just see it so different because if you think about food at the grocery store, most people eat beef, pork and chicken and all of those animals are produced in such a manner where it's just so um, standardized. You know exactly what you're getting when you go to the grocery store and pick up chicken. There's no surprises. It's exactly the same. They live the same way. They live to the same age. They barely move. And that's because we've tailored our own taste buds to wanting extremely tender and a fatty piece of meat because it tastes better. Mm -hmm. And so we've like completely changed the process of, of our domestication and production of, of um, animals this way. And so when I started eating wild game, I realized there's this huge amount of versatility in wild game. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful, and and I just fell in love with cooking it. And so that's how I started cooking game. And then over the years, it sort of evolved into something so much more, and to, to realizing that um, once I, I started hunting, uh, we moved to North Dakota, um, about like seven years ago or eight years ago. And that's when I started hunting. And I remember the first bird I shot was a pheasant. And I tell this story all the time, but the first bird I ever shot was a pheasant and it was flushed, um, in these tulies by my golden retriever. And I shot it, it folded. And it was just one of those things like, Oh, this is so cool. But I came home and I decided to cook a meal that I had cooked so many times before. It wasn't anything new or special, but I'll never forget eating it was, was so, so gratifying because it just suddenly everything changed in that moment that I wasn't just eating something that, what's the right word I'm trying to say? You created this, this connection with your food and in this meaningful animal isn't just about the life of an animal it's about realizing the ecosystem that goes involved into the habitats and where this animal lived it's it's this it just opened my eyes to this appreciation for the natural world that I had never experienced before and that that deep sense of gratitude for my meal was just so overwhelming that I thought to myself like I want every meal every time I sit down I want to feel this way because my entire life I have lived eating mindlessly without thinking about my food twice. 
And now all of a sudden it's, it became the most important thing to me. Like, how could I live my whole life not even experiencing what this feels like? And I wanted to feel that way every time I ate. Yeah, it, it, and so I started hunting. <laughs> it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started feeling like you're a participant in the, in the food chain. Like you're in, you're in the game. Yep. Yep. I, sometimes I often say like, you know, when you go to the store and you pick up food, you don't think about where it came from or the life it lived or anything. And when you hunt, you are choosing to become a part of the process, become a, a part, like you're taking responsibility for that animal's life. In other words, instead of letting somebody else grow it and kill it for you and clean it for you, you you're taking the responsibility of of owning that action. And it's it's an incredible feeling, really. Let let me there's there's a lot of things to unpack there, what you're what you're hitting on. But I want to back up to. You're still at Texas Tech, or you just finished Texas Tech, and mm-hmm. you're going into your career path in apparel design and in, into fashion. Did you feel uh, a, a kind of nudge while you were still in school that you're like, I don't, I'm, I don't really like where this is going, but I'm yeah. this far into it. You, you had those type of. Uh, oh yeah, things. but my junior year, I was like, this is a bad idea. this is a bad idea but I was like too far in I was like you just need to get okay so I I had already been in school for five years it took me six six years to actually graduate I had a a little too much fun (laughs) I had a little little bit of fun and I, I ended up taking six years but in that last year right before I graduated I was like oh no what am I doing what have you been sleeping this whole time through college? Like, what are you doing? Right. Um, I mean, it was something I really loved doing, but it just wasn't yeah. a career. It, I don't know. But I don't think that, that that's unique or different. I think there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't really, I'm not into this, but I'm this far into it. And then you blink and 30 years later, you're still doing that. And yeah. uh, that's the majority of the population. The majority of mm-hmm. people hate going to work. They Mondays are called Mondays. I hate Monday because they hate what they do. That's a different, like a, you, you took a different approach to like, and it sounds like you had the support around you to, to be bold enough to say, you know, I don't, I can't do this. I have to do something. It seems like you've been very attached and uh, it's been meaning and having meaning has always been very important to you. Absolutely. I think part of that stems from like being a very creative person. Whatever I put out there is just the, the having something meaningful attached to it is is everything. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? That's kind of the way my mind seems to work is if it's not important to me or meaningful, then I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, And, and so, yeah, you know, I, I did break away from 
from fashion design about a year after I graduated. I worked only like a year in it. And, and so I started doing some cooking, but it was still not like, I thought about going to culinary school and then while I lived in Houston and then my husband's like, we're, we're getting transferred to North Dakota. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to culinary school. There's what, definitely the, no, what does he do? If you don't mind me asking, like to get transferred, he's to in North oil Dakota. and gas. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'll bring yeah. you to North Dakota. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's like, we're getting transferred. And I was like, well, there's definitely no work for me up there for apparel design. And, you know, culinary school had to sit on the back burner. And so I, you know, I, I just sort of cooked as a hobby. And throughout that time, I started working at um, all through college. I worked at a law firm. And so I continued to pick that up. And I stayed as pretty much a paralegal um, in North Dakota for three years. And during that time, since uh, since I started hunting and started cooking, we kind of like, I kind of like made up in my mind that I no longer wanted to buy meat from the grocery store. I realized that North Dakota had enough public land that you could get out there and hunt basically year round. You didn't, you know, coming from Texas where everything's private it's a rich man's sport. And I think growing up, that's why, like, even though my dad loved hunting, we didn't really hunt very much because leases and everything are just so expensive. And we just sort of had this mentality that hunting is, is the rich man's sport. And so when I moved to North Dakota and realized there was public land, you did, you could just get a hunting license and literally go out and hunt. And I was like, it blew my mind, absolutely blew my mind that this existed. Um, so, so I was like, well, I don't want to buy meat anymore from the grocery store. I, for ethical reasons, um, I just love that feeling of feeling connected to my food. And so we hunted all year round to fill the freezer. And so my best friend and my brother are like, you should start a blog because all you're doing is cooking wild game and like, nobody really does that. And I was like, right. no, that's so stupid. I don't want to be a blogger. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, yeah, I hate the term <laughs> blogger. Yeah. I know. There's something about the term that made me feel like, I don't know. Yeah. But well, anyway, they talked me into it. Did you get, yeah, and it exploded, and it's it's a wildly popular um, blog that you have, Wild and Whole. Uh, that's still going, right? It's still, you're still... It is. Um, when I joined Meat Eater, I kind of shifted my focus to to building the culinary section of the Meat Eater brand, and I'm kind of the leading voice for that in uh, vertical. And so I've I really put my focus there. And Wild and Whole has kind of been on the back burner, but in 2021, I plan to sort of reinvest some time and energy into it and um, watch it grow again. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Hold on, did you just, it came loose or something. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, good. Stupid. I got, listen, first off, here's how big time I am. I do these things out of my pickup truck. Literally, <laughs> I drive to a parking lot and I turn the thing on and we go from there. And that's, that's, that's so that's how big of a studio and, and fancy we are over here. But let me ask you this, because I, I suffer from uh, cynicism and sarcasm uh, a lot. If I, I 
don't think that I have the self-confidence to say to the people around me that, you know what, I'm not going to buy meat from the grocery store anymore. I'm only going to hunt for what I eat. And <laughs> I, like, did you get an eye roll from people when you said that? I mean, did people are like, all right, just relax. It's great, Danielle, that you like to hunt and cook, but come on. Um... Kind of. Well, your friends are different. No, I mean, it wasn't an eye roll. It was more of a, why would you want to do that? That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that's my next question. Well, I mean, it, I I totally agree. I've In the short, very seldom experiences to where I'm like, wow, I was a part of this process, and now I'm eating it. My kids are, are sharing with it, or they're at least trying it, and then they spit it out in a napkin or whatever. But they, that was a really great experience. But to say... I am going after that full time. I mean, that is, it really sounds like you're strapping on a burden there to do that and to make that kind of commitment. Why, why did you do that to yourself? You know, that's a really good question. And every year I struggle with it. When my freezer gets low, oh my God, it would be so easy to just run to the grocery store. You and don't do it. You don't just run to the grocery store. You, 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 really you know, it's, I want to make sure I'm clear that I don't think there's anything wrong with buying meat from the grocery store. Um, I think, I think choose, you know, when you do buy meat, I think looking at the packaging, looking at where it came from and educating yourself about what you're buying is extremely important to make a conscious decision. But I, I'm self-disciplined in this way because I, I have found value in the animal in a way that I don't get when you go to the store because you're, you go to the grocery store to buy meat, you say you have a recipe and it calls for this cut. Well, you go and you buy that cut. Right. When you go hunting, you get the whole thing, nose to tail, and you, you learn to eat completely different. Um, you're not just eating all your favorite cuts, you're eating the whole animal. And I'm, I became really self-disciplined like this because I wanted to know that I was eating nose to tail. I wanted to know that I was making conscious, sustainable decisions about, about these animals and being responsible and knowing I'm, I'm, I'm connected to the landscape in a way that I'd never had before. Um, I'm now um, on a board of a conservation organization because it's so important to me. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I, I mean, I think it just became this discipline to myself that I just, I never wanted to take me for granted again yeah. is really what it came down to. Discipline. It, it, that's, ex that has to be the word to maintain yeah. this type because you know and I, and I like to pick your brain on this as to what you think this all came from but the majority of us as human beings in a first world nation is we deserve our favorite tasting thing on our tongue every time we sit down to eat and if anything is a little off with that or it's just yucky or different i how dare this offend my very delicate palate. Uh, you know, we, I talk to <laughs> our guys all the time who work like, you know, they won't drink a protein shake with peanut butter in it. And I'm like, it's not your birthday. 
It doesn't. Everything <laughs> you eat does not have to be the greatest, most wonderful thing you've ever experienced. And anything other than that is just you dismiss it. And maybe that's it because things are so good for us right now. But I mean, what you're talking about is I am going to consume this animal. I was a part of it. And from from the nose to the tail of it, I'm finding a way to cook this thing and to experience it. That's an ancient way of thinking. Like you don't have to do that anymore. And nobody wants to do that anymore. So for you to say, I'm going to do it, the discipline is absolutely the word because we don't have to do it. If you want ribeye, you can have it Monday through Sunday if you want. Mm-hmm. If you want bacon on everything, that's why we're in the situation we're in. And that's why food plants are food or, or, and, and all of the terrible things you hear. And if you watch Food Inc. and all those types of things. But what you're talking about is a it's a total mindset reset before we even talk about selection of food, like I just, how did you arrive to that point and to stick to it? Cause I have my little beliefs like, Oh, I believe in this and we should all, but it's a, it's another thing when I got out of practice at nine o'clock and here I am sitting in a Wendy's and you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm full of crap. Like that's the way I, I feel like I would just, I would totally be, I cheat myself immediately. And for you to be able to, uphold this real conviction for yourself it's pretty impressive yeah i mean i i don't buy meat at the grocery store when i cook at home i cook at home but if i if i'm on a road trip and i'm traveling yeah yeah i'll go i mean if i go to a restaurant i'm gonna eat you know meat i it's not that i'm i'm like i will never i mean i i thought about it i genuinely thought when i go to the restaurants i'm gonna only eat vegetarian but i realized that wasn't the point of why i'm doing what i'm doing um it's it's not to like you know like i didn't want this to take this like self-discipline to a way that i will not eat anything unless it's wild because choosing to eat wild meat was mostly about wanting to make conscious decisions and if I go to a restaurant and I know that restaurant is serving meat from a local farmer or rancher, I want to support that. You know, like I feel good about my money going towards that. But am I going to only go buy that? No. Like when I cook at home, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like I only eat wild food a hundred percent of the time because you bought that <laughs> i'm not gonna do that um right anyway well, I, I guess what i'm saying is i think um when you're coming from where you're coming from and what i want what i'm interested in doing is and and i'm not the first i'm not naive enough or arrogant enough to think i'm the first person to have this thought but like how do we have a conversation with you know the person that doesn't even go outside that much to where they don't, this isn't even on their map. This isn't even on their radar to even think about. Uh, But there's so much life experience on the other side of at least beginning a process of being a part of uh, the, the food that you consume or being a, or, or the, the pursuit of the food that you consume and, and to think like, well, I'm just not an, like going back to 
this is the this is the how good things are that you are you're allowed to just disconnect from your habitat mm-hmm. because that's yeah. that's how we can insulate ourselves from literally the world that we are supposed to live on you know like there's a comedian talked about how he doesn't even think we're supposed to be from earth because everything is uncomfortable to us like you don't <laughs> you, you don't see a you know a fish is like oh I hate this. This water is it's too cold. I hate it's just a fish. It's just there. That's where it lives, right? But it's like we need air conditioning and we need heat and we need waterproof jackets when it rains and we need dry fit clothes when we go swimming and we it's, we're not even sometimes it doesn't even feel like we're supposed to be here, you know? And so how do we start with somebody it's so funny. When we somebody that is just so in agreement with that type of lifestyle, with the modern 21st century lifestyle as to, ew, I don't, I don't, don't, you, where did it come from? Like, I love hamburgers, but I don't want to see the cow. Like, there's plenty of people like that that think somehow they're being kind to animals if they don't know where it came from. Uh, how do we start this conversation? Like, no, you're, you're, you're missing out on this whole life because this is the way yeah. it was supposed to be. How do we start that conversation? You know, I didn't, when I started all of this, I didn't really like being outside. I was like kind of one of those people that I wanted to live in a huge city, work in fashion design, and I just, the outdoors. Yeah, that's like the opposite of like gut here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and was like, ta-da, this is who I'm going to be. This was like 10 years in the making. It didn't happen overnight. And I remember when I moved to North Dakota, I thought, oh, my God, my life is over. It's literally the coldest place in the entire world. I don't know how I'm going to live. (laughs) And I was like, what am I going to do here? And then what it was is that I realized that I spent so much time uh, online, you know, like just, I wasn't involved in the real world. And most importantly, I had no idea what it meant to be fully present, like really present in the moment. And so when I started getting outside, just hiking, not even hunting, just getting outside hiking, I realized there's an entire world out there that is like I have never experienced before. And when you get to immerse yourself in nature, you get this tiny little glimpse of this world we live in and I know nothing about. And I'm just this, I just have the, I'm just so lucky to have a few moments to just watch the world wake up. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredible feeling. And it's like, where have I been my whole life while this is going on? And and to think that we live our life on this planet just running around not even not even being outside is is crazy to me yeah. and so like it it you know like yes. it took me a long time to say for an example I used to be terrified of getting off the trail. Like when we hunted, I wanted to hunt like on a trail because I was like, I don't want to get lost and, and like camping and like backpacking. Like it's been little steps throughout the way. Like it didn't just happen overnight that I just put on a six fifty pound backpack and hiked two miles in on the side of a mountain and 
camped out. Like that, that didn't happen overnight. And like last week, I, um, I, I've been dying to do this solo upland hunting trip. Upland hunting was sort of my favorite, um, hunting to do and i have a bird dog and so i loaded the dog up in the car and drove from cool houston to north dakota too. i was looking on instagram but what is, is that a wired haired german wired haired um basically it's technically called a um deutsch Drahthaar. so like a, a gsp and a german wire hair pointer are kind of like the akc like what you would buy in america is an akc but Germany, they they have their own kind of kennel club and their own set of standards for breeding, and so it's it's called a Deutschstrauhar, but it's sort of the same. They thing. bought the thing in Germany. No, you oh. can breed them in this the idiot. U.S. That's such a um, thing to say. Sorry. No, it's not. I I know a lot of people who go over to Germany and buy their dogs, um, but it, that's not a stupid thing. Um, but it just means that he's, he's bred under a German standard. So like AKC, you're like, check your hips and this and that. Um, the Deutsch Drothar breed has to go through, um, tests like natural ability tests and they give them scores based on their nose and their pointing abilities, like the natural ability of a dog, not, not training, just how good is their nose? Like, are they anyway? So that's kind of what that that breed is so but it's just you it's just you and the dog on a trip yeah so i drove all the way to north dakota i missed it so much we lived in north dakota five years and obviously now i live in, back in texas so i took the dog and drove all the way to north dakota and um, i stopped in nebraska and hunted a couple days and then i got up to north dakota and it was <laughs> pretty cold um and then you know I, the first day I didn't see anything, and, and I'm specifically going after sharp-tailed grouse. Um, I don't know if you know anything about these kinds of birds. But I they're, do not. They're wild. It's like you kind of get in this space where you feel as if you're truly chasing something wild, not like a pheasant that is hanging out next to a cornfield or a deer next right. to a cornfield because it, there's – the grouse are in the grasslands. It's sort of a protected area, so there's no, like, agriculture out there. And it's public land. Anybody can go stomp around. Um, and so this this area, you you get this, like, feeling of, like, a true wild. I don't know how else to explain it. But um, so almost, it's, I don't want to say it's untouched, but it's it's an area that Theodore Roosevelt was also deeply in love with and had a ranch there. And so there's just sort of a lot of history and there's just, it's just a, like for lack of a better word, it's just a magical place in my eyes. Um, so I, I was going after sharp tail grouse and they're notorious birds for being pretty jumpy. They don't really hold tight like a pheasant and um, you have to work for it. Like they'll make you walk. And I think I hiked four, five, six miles in the first day in north dakota and then we got some snow coming in and so i had a hole in my tent i was like well the windshield got down to nine degrees i was like i'm not gonna sleep in the tent so i threw everything out of my car and decided to sleep um i have like a forerunner and the seats lay down so i can yeah. sleep in the back if i have to <laughs> so i'm like in the middle of nowhere sleeping in my car i wake up in the middle of the night and the dog is shaking so i have to unzip my 
sleeping bag and pull him in with me because he's his teeth are chattering next to me <laughs> like i we literally held each other to stay warm just, and the whole time i'm like what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> just snuggled up in the bag you and the dog and, by yourself in north Dakota. yeah it's it's yeah in a snowstorm I'm like what am i you, yeah. doing like if my it's one of those yeah. moments you're like how did i get here like yeah that's what how I was gonna say. in the world did i get here yeah if you, yeah if your fashionista roommates could have seen you now <laughs> no they do they all laugh at me and they're like i would have never imagined anyway but yeah so i woke up the next morning poured a cup of coffee and we got moving and finally five hours in we got into a group of birds and Five hours. And made it happen. I mean, I'm sorry, five miles of hiking. Well, still, but just sorry. It's it's. I think it's really cool to acknowledge, like you said earlier, it you didn't. This isn't. This wasn't step one for you. Like overnight dog in the sleeping bag, five mile chasing the thing, the the hardest type of bird to kill. Like you just it. It's this path you've been on where it started where like i want i want to move closer to that experience because that felt real that felt like it had meaning and and then all of a sudden here you are where it's just like who am i type thing i think that's a really cool sort of journey you've been on yeah you know and i think a lot of this has to do with you know at some point in my life when I'm old and gray and my body doesn't work as well, you know, I want to look back and know that I lived a rich and full experience. And, you know, what is it to me that makes life so meaningful? What is it that I can do now to give back? And like, what am I going to look back and, and, and feel really good about? And at the, at the moment sleeping in nine degrees, is real crappy, but there's, there's a satisfaction about it that you just can't buy. When I eat that grouse, you don't, you cannot purchase the level of satisfaction that I will get from that bird. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the world. You'll never feel that unless you get out and do it yourself. And the harder you work for something, the more rewarding it is. It's something I've learned time and time again. And I think that's why I, put myself in scenarios that are very unpleasant at the moment, but, but there's something to be said about, about building that character of learning to be uncomfortable. Like you were saying, I mean, that's like the first thing I learned about hunting is, is you have to learn to be uncomfortable. Um, It sounds weird to say, but you do learn that you learn that life isn't a big padded room you have to be in situations and you I face my fears all the time hiking alone in the dark with bears around like things like that like I'm terrified yeah, that's scary. but I still do it yeah well I but. think I think the 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 people I interact with when you have a highly like recruited athlete right the number one thing you have to get over they have to get over is they get offended that they're uncomfortable at first. Like, how mm-hmm. dare this even be happening to me? And for a lot of people, that's it. I'm out. Like, as soon as some discomfort sets in, no thanks, that that sucked. 
I'll go back to what's familiar, what's comfy, what's cozy, what's what tastes familiar, all those sorts of things. And how, what what keeps you kind of pushing your own self envelope as far as like what why haven't you backed off on this like when you were first like okay I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone I'm miserable I don't want to do this anymore in this industry and so you start cooking all right well that wild game was incredible I'm gonna like have you what hasn't why have you been punched in the mouth yet and you said okay I'm done that's enough of that like what makes you keep going um I don't know. <laughs> um, because I love it. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think it goes back to. I mean, it's sometimes that you know I used to only hunt because I wanted food in my freezer. That was the reason why I hunted. And it's so funny how over the years it's evolved into like no, I actually I want to be outside, and I want to to be a part of the landscape and feel a part of nature. And there's just something about it that's extremely grounding. I feel present in the moment. It's, um, it's just so good for your mental well-being um, to just turn the phone off, get away from social media and to like be in the real world. There's just something really, really, special about it there's something humbling about it i just feel as if it's just making me a better person um i don't know making you i'm sure i'll run run into something i don't like where i'm like all right no more of this but um well i think there's something i and and you tell me like no i i don't want to talk about that but i was doing some some research before having this conversation and you had talked about uh how you know wild game and cooking and then uh, the the experience and the pursuit of of the things that you do has really helped because you had in the past struggled with anxiety and Mm -hmm. you you, I've heard you very in the last few minutes talk a couple times about you know being there in that moment right there right now which is a skill it is a hard thing to do in today's whatever this reality is that we've created for ourselves we get a lot of time in our own head and uh if you don't like kind of if you don't mind like what are some of what has been some of your struggles with anxiety and and how have you kind of led your way out of it um i have had some various issues not just with anxiety but depression and sort of this I don't even know what the right it's like when I was little DMDD it's basically like a a, um, a mood disorder where you have a hard time understanding like emotions and I, I tend to be a rather sensitive person and when I say sensitive I don't mean like I'm going to cry or you hurt my feelings like I really I'm really unempathetic in that, in that respect, but I'm sensitive in the fact that when I experience certain emotions, like say adrenaline, it seems to be extremely heightened. Um, does that make sense? Or like yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to a concert and it's like extremely 
moving or like you go, I don't know what, how else to say it. Um, like things like listening to music or just being outside, but certain life experiences tend to just seem extreme. Like I feel it in an extreme way. And, and I kind of got into this rhythm before I started doing all this where I was only consumed by like wanting to do fashion design and it, it just wasn't working out. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was eating like garbage. And I, I basically like got myself into a situation where I literally made myself sick. I was sick all day, every day with like a gastroparesis. It's like, it's an issue where like you're not, your body's not producing enzymes to digest food and it, and it's, you just get, sick like or like I just was nauseous all the time so I didn't want to if I ate too much I felt sick I didn't eat enough I felt sick it was just always I felt sick and I kind of hit this point where I realized like I was only in my early 20s I was like you're way too young to be feeling like this you shouldn't feel like this and um that was when I really made a, a change to change like my overall well-being so what I ate and also um the way I lived my life and I started doing yoga which had a huge effect on on um my mental health um learning how to breathe learning how to be present and learning how to live mindfully and I think through that process and getting so involved in yoga it, in a weird way is absolutely connected to why I chose to start hunting because it's it it's it taught me what it means to to live mindfully but to be fully present and to to embrace what well-being is for me and what does that look like and how does that feel and through that process I I realized that getting outside spending time putting your phone away um just made me connect with the real world in a way that I hadn't experienced before and it was just extremely um therapeutic yeah well what I think is really encouraging because I don't doubt like you know there's there's two camps like there's you know the you know I this is I I have anxiety I have PTSD I have this I have and it's just I get labeled I get prescribed and this is who I am there's that camp and then there's none of that stuff's real you know suck it up type deal yeah and, but I think all of those experiences are real because of the way we've constructed the human experience which is so unnatural now and mm -hmm. what's encouraging is that you, instead of just going to a doctor and letting them tell you that, yep, Danielle, you're just a sick little girl and here, here's some drugs and you, you fought your way out of it. You, you, you found a way to, to get out of your own way, to get out of your head and to get into the experience of the moment. And I, I, I see nothing is more nerve wracking uh, and I'm not, uh, it's just, a, I feel like a dumb gym teacher to keep using just sport site, like <laughs> metaphors, but like nothing is more nerve wracking than like right before you go play the game. Oh, I know. It, right? Yeah. And then once it starts, you're like, oh, all right, we're in this. Let's go. But I feel like the majority of human experience now is you just watch 
you just you don't really have to participate because things are so convenient. It's so convenient that it'll make you sick. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't have to go and control your breathing because if you breathe too loud, you'll scare the game away and then you'll be hungry for three days. Like that. Now we have to find ways to just learn how to breathe because we don't we're not demanded to do that anymore. Like we we have mm-hmm. we've, we've outgrown our own human existence and it's killing us. And that's, yeah. that's my draw to the outdoors, to, 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 to the pursuits, to hunting, to fishing, to just being uncomfortable and, and, and inviting people to partake in discomfort is it's a, it's almost like a GPS back to the human experience, you know, and that's what it sounds like you it's done for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, and really, that's that's what it all boils down to. At the end of the day, when you look back on your life, like, what did you experience? Did you watch other people live their life, or did you get out and live your own life? You know, it's it's going through, you know, either mental or physical discomfort is never fun. But if you fight through that, there's something really great on the other end that you just can't get from watching somebody else do it. Um, You have to live it. And I believe that wholeheartedly in whatever pursuit you decide to do. It's never fun and it's never worthless either. Mm -hmm. It always has value. All, all discomfort. Hopefully it's unless it's just random acts of violence uh, has, has great value. So, and mm-hmm. I know you've got you've got stuff coming up, so I want to make sure that people can uh, can see some of the stuff you've been up to. You are part of you're big time. You're part of the Meat Eater crew now. <laughs> yes, I I joined Meat Eater. Oh, I started contributing to them actually. My first recipe was three years ago, but I joined full time. About a year and a half, almost two years ago. Do you live in Montana now with those guys, or are you? Are you? No, I live in Houston. Okay, so you're back in Texas. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. I travel a lot, so that's that's the good part. Yeah, and so you got uh, our buddy who's been on the on the show. Uh, well, I would say twice, but one time we recorded a whole episode and I didn't turn it on, and uh, <laughs> oh so that was, no, that was a blast. <laughs> so. <laughs> Miles Nolte, uh, who is, uh, you know, the, the creator and largely contributor to uh, Das Boat. And you were on season two, actually the most recent episode. Yeah, Miles did such a great job putting that together. Um, the reason why that show has been such a great success is all because of him. And um, it was it was so much fun to be a part of it. It was a really, really, really fun series. Yeah, it's uh, if you guys aren't familiar with it, make sure you check it out and make sure you uh, check out Danielle's episode in season two of Das Boat. Also, Miles is just he's one of the most genuine people. And it's hard to say that about people you've only talked to over the phone and recorded a conversation, which is another very strange new human experience uh, that we do for (laughs) ourselves. But just one and a shameless plug. He wore a a Struggle Well T-shirt in one of the episodes, which was really cool. That was a, that was oh, a bi- sweet. That was a big deal in the man-child household, let me tell you, <laughs> when that came out. 
Uh, awesome. So you could check out some of your hunts. There's uh, you did some things uh, on YouTube, meat eater hunts, correct? One of the uh, upland bird hunts, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a trucker hunt. Yeah. Yep. You forgot about it, and you had to <laughs> you knew what was going on. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a hard bird hunt. <laughs> it looked insane. It looked like you were guys were climbing up a volcano. Yeah. It, man, trucker hunting is a love hate. It's incredibly beautiful, incredibly fun, but you, ew, it's hard. It's a, it's, it's tough on your body. Why do birds even want to be in an environment? You can fly anywhere you want. Why do you want to be there? (laughs) I don't know. I don't get it. Well, uh, I think you, you're, you're doing something very cool. Uh, I think you have a very unique story and I, and I'm glad that, uh, you let us be a part of maybe being able to share some things that people weren't, uh, aware of the backstory of some of the things that you're doing. Uh, you have a gazillion followers on Instagram, but if, uh, somebody else wanted to join in, what, uh, what, how do they find you? Yeah, I guess Instagram. Um, most of what I share is under my name, Danielle Pruitt. And that's probably the best way to get connected to all the stuff that I dabble in through the Meat Eater channel. Awesome. Awesome. She's got a lot of really cool recipes uh, if you're trying to step up your game from just uh, jalapeno poppers and things like that. It's, uh, it's, It's really, really cool what you're doing and it's inspiring what you, how you decided to basically organize your life. And that's kind of what the purpose of uh, of these conversations are is is it's available to anybody that's willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's Absolutely. been a great conversation. Thank you very much, Danielle. And uh, hopefully, we talk to you again sometime. Sounds good. Yeah.